had no protection. The guy had a heck of a year. I say a hell of a year, not a heck of a year. He had a hell of a year for Who a did? rookie quarterback with a bad offensive line. Daniel don't, don't Jones was impressive. I watched every snap, every game of this year, Daniel Jones, and he was impressive. And if you're going to be objective about it, you had to be impressed. The guy was 62% with guys in his face, throwing Danny Dimes, throwing accurate strikes anywhere down the field. You think he went Showing to Calvary precise Hall. passing, accuracy, arm strength, toughness, looking down the gun barrel, as Jaws always said. 24 touchdowns, only 12 picks, a couple rushing touchdowns. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And today, it's officially Combine Week, Justin, and we have the long-awaited Daniel Jones review episode Three episodes this week. This is the first of three because it's Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Justin Pennick, how are you doing, my man? How was your weekend? Bobby Skinner, it was fantastic. I had this huge plan to be physically active this weekend and start uh, this, you know, big kind of not not. A, I'm not going to call it a diet, but start taking on this weight loss competition that we talked about last week. And guess what? I did none of it. None of it. And it was like 50 degrees here on the East Coast. Uh, but I'm excited for Talking Giants this week. I'm excited for three episodes. I'm getting very excited for Combine. Uh, I've been uh, diving in headfirst, trying to get these quarterbacks out of the way, doing research on them. Also diving in headfirst on these tackles, which is getting me excited seeing all these tremendous athletes. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of tremendous athletes, how are you, Bobby Skinner? Oh, I am a tremendous athlete. Not. Not. All right. Yeah, I'm doing fine. It was a good weekend. Very windy down here in Florida. Friday, I have an aluminum roof um, on my back porch, and Friday night it was so windy I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep till like three o'clock in the morning because it was just bam, bam. And I got to fix my door. There's a little, there's a little gap. I need to get a new stopper. There's a little gap under it, and I literally had leaves like fl- like blow into my house um, on Friday night. So it was a very good weekend, as you could tell. <laughs> I'm doing well, man. I'm ready for Combine Week. I'm excited. Three episodes. And I'm excited about talk about about a guy Daniel Jones, and he was actually spotted Justin with Shep Ingram and Saquon in Brazil. Originally, I saw the three together, but it looks like they were together Justin, and they went to a soccer game in Brazil. How about that? How about that? Something tells me that Daniel Jones going to see a soccer game. An international soccer game was not something that he necessarily wanted to do. I just have that feeling. What are you talking about? I think his sister plays soccer, doesn't she? But I think there's a difference between going to watch your family member and then also like, okay, or well, maybe Brazil was a vacation destination, so you take you take that opportunity to go to Brazil and just enjoy Brazil. But I just have a feeling that was not his preferred destination. Also, can we just talk about that picture that was posted? Everybody looked disheveled. It look it on um, many aspects. Daniel Jones looks really bad. He needs to he needs to shave. I mean, it, it looks kind of bad. His as our guy Danny Boy King pointed out, his shoes are just atrocious. They're Terrible. all wearing jerseys with tags on it. Um, Saquon's got the hat sideways. Evan Ingram looks like he's having the worst day of his life, and he's in a walking boot. And Shep has these uh, sunglasses that are too small for his head. It's a wild photo. Yeah, Evan Ingram looked absolutely miserable. Like I was concerned. <laughs> he does. <laughs> you know, they did. They took a horrible picture. They should have been like, "Hey, one more," because Ingram <laughs> just looks rough. Like he looks like Gettleman just called him, like, "Dude, you're out of here um, in a couple of days." As soon as the new league year starts, we're trading you for a third. I mean, he does not look good. He also had a pretty bad haircut, in my opinion. Not a good look for him. 
I kind of like the longer yeah. the longer locks on him compared to the shorter hair. Is was that uh, an indirect shot at me, Justin? Actually, yes, because I will tell you, Bobby Skinner, you have great hair, but when you cut it, you definitely cut it way too short. Now, I will say this: I I'm like getting my hair cut. I I like getting my hair cut really really short. Now I also don't grow my hair out really long, but I like getting my hair cut really really short because I like feeling the breeze and the draft on my scalp, and it's just easier to you know main you know maintain your hair that way and keep it clean and whatnot. But for you, Bobby Skinner, cutting off your beautiful locks of hair when it gets long, it it really is a sin. The the biggest difference is using less shampoo. I'm like oh my gosh, I just use half a pound of shampoo. For no hair. And then when usually when I would get done in the shower, you know, I would like shake my head. And then I, I almost give myself a concussion because I forget like I don't have like an extra few pounds on my head when I do that. That That is, is just a rough time. But it's good. Anyways, the the guys in Brazil. I Originally, I saw Barkley, Ingram, and Shep working out together. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, it's in Brazil because originally I thought Ingram was in Hawaii from the Instagram stories was posting. Then you see them working out together. And then the photo with Daniel Jones shows up out of nowhere, which is weird. They're holding their own jerseys up with tags on them, which is you think like the soccer team would have had like, hey, this is our soccer team with a eight Jones jersey and a 88 Ingram. So I, I, I don't know what's going on, honestly. I hope they had a great and fun and safe time, though. That's my hope and dreams for them. Of course they did. It's not like. Other Giants wide receivers when they travel their country. Ooh. Travel, travel. <laughs> just saying. Where's Tate and Slayton, by the way? They didn't make a, they didn't, they didn't make the VIP list. Tate was real golfing and Slayton was top golfing. So that, <laughs> that, that, that is the, uh, the update on the Giants playmakers on offense. Justin, we have the combine though. Um, I'm getting pretty excited for it, even though I try to not put too much stock in the combine. I mean, what are you looking forward to the most before we move into Daniel Jones? What am I looking forward to most about the combine? Uh, to be completely honest, this is the first combine where I actually plan on sitting down and watching the majority of it from start to finish. And what I'm mostly looking forward to is the fact that we're not heading into a draft process. And especially we're not heading into a scouting combine where we are actively searching for a quarterback. That pressure is not on the Giants. That pressure isn't on fans that we need to watch and evaluate every single second and every single throw that a quarterback has. So that's what I'm mainly looking forward to, just seeing like, oh, if this guy's just a freak athlete, especially if there are picks that are later in the draft or guys that are that could be projected to go later in the draft and we find that they're freak athletes, just be like, oh, who's this guy? And then you want to go look up their tape afterwards. So that's what I'm going to be really, really excited for because the Giants have a lot of holes, and one of them, luckily this year, is not quarterback. Yeah, that, that is true. I, obviously, the, the press conferences from Dave Gum and Joe Judge are looking forward to those. But outside the basics, as far as the players, honestly, I like looking at the the guys in the later rounds, what their 40s, verticals, and shuttles are. Because those, I feel like, are pretty telling. If, if a guy, all three of those are good, those are, like, Slayton's were good. You know, he had a really good 40. I think he had like a 439 and then like a vertical of 39 and a half inches. So it's nice when you, you get to see those guys who are like fourth to sixth round picks. And you're like, okay, I see what he's doing in college, but does he have the physical abilities to do this at the NFL level? So with a guy like Slayton, it's like, yep, 40 time, 
vertical jump matchup the things he did at Auburn. So whereas, you know, sometimes you'll get like these six foot five guys who they they manhandle on their college film, but then they run a you know a four, five, eight and their verticals thirty inches or something like that. So that's that's what I look forward to the most. I love the overreaction. Last year the most exciting part was definitely uh Kyler, Kyler Height Watch. Remember how big of a deal that was? I mean, we were it, I mean, we were just on pins and needles waiting to see how tall Kyler Murray was. <laughs> even though and then even afterward, just like, did he fake his height, even though they do official measurements? I mean, I, I don't know. It was weird. I'm thinking about live streaming for a large portion of it. Do you think people would actually watch? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what do you live stream? I'm going to – I'll probably live stream uh, – now, I, I really – I would rather not, like, show the actual – product of what i'm actually watching so the whole point is to actually just show show the show the screen that is if i had to pick my least favorite three words in the entire world it would be show the screen or show the game that's my favorite no that's my favorite because that's how i watched tyson fury last (laughs) night dogs barking in the background and all so now let's predict the future you're definitely going to show up thursday or friday when i'm live streaming uh, my my reactions to the combine you're going to show up thursday friday and you're going to be like show show the game show the screen you're, you're going to do justin, it justin you're starting to you're, you're getting to know me and justin. i'm gonna and i'm gonna and that, kick you the freak out of the of the chat but remember last year your training game periscopes i kept on getting like my like locked out for minutes just for making simple jokes anyways not right it ain't right it ain't right it ain't right i would never kick you out those would be the rude the rude public the rude public would kick you out yep the rude public <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, is anything else? Obviously, I don't want to do like a combine preview show, but there's some things to look at. Offensive linemen, I'd say their bench press, uh, shuttles. You can look at, but it's I don't want to put too much into that. You more look at what they were able to do. I'd say bench press is the biggest thing for them. It's like okay, how much how much strength uh, converts that with arm length? Um, although I'm not the biggest arm length like stickler. I mean, on defensive line, you know, you look at shuttles. I don't know. There's 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 a lot. We'll we'll dissect it like crazy. Five yard splits are those are those important? Those five yard splits for offensive linemen, defensive linemen, edge rushers. Five ten yard splits. You talking about the shuttle, the twenty yard shuttle? No, for uh, I'm particularly like talking about like in the forty yard dash, like looking at looking at five like five yard splits, ten yard splits. Oh, I don't know. I guess so. I I'm, I was I'm not a scout, so I'm not sitting here saying like this is what you look for. But I, I like the shuttle because you go – it's 5, 10, 5. So I feel like that's a, a good test of someone's agility. Um, yeah. And you got to move around. So there, we'll have we'll have some fun yeah, with we'll it. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, it. We'll talk about it when we got stuff to talk about. Until then, Justin, Daniel Jones, the quarterback review of 2019. Daniel Jones, Justin, he's six foot five, 221 pounds. He was the sixth overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft. He was laughed at. This pick was mocked and mocked and mocked and mocked. But the 22-year-old young man came in after week two. Eli Manning, our hero, was benched. And Justin, quite frankly, I think he impressed a lot of people. And we're going to break down pretty much every part of his game. Obviously, I kind of cut my teeth being high on him out of college and breaking down that stuff. But even me... You know, it's you get nervous. Like I, I saw what I, I about. I saw what I liked about him in college, and that's awesome. And then in that preseason, it's like okay, I liked him, but let's see, let's see what happens when it gets real. So preseason, he dominates. Like okay, that's awesome. But now let's see what happens in regular season. 
Justin in his debut, he showed out. He gained, he had a didn't have the greatest stretch after that, but he was he just had a very impressive 2019 rookie year, and probably would have won Rookie of the Year if he played 16 games. Justin, literally at every stage of Daniel Jones's season, you know when you when you look at things from a macro big picture perspective, every phase of his season, he did not disappoint. Now there's things where we can talk about and we'll we'll talk about. It. I kind of want to start out positive and then we can go into the nitpicks and we can go into some of the stats that I have that maybe are negative and then Bobby can get into his negative pieces with, you know, looking at the film and the eye test. But Bobby from not even just day 1 of the regular season or day 1 of the preseason going back to the spring, he absolutely impressed and he wowed and he was better than expected from day one from stepping into this organization. Now, I will say this. Something that we did expect him to be was, let's just even just get this out of the way before we just solely talk about his play on the field. The type of man and the type of football player that he is and that he's going to be for this franchise, that's something that definitely did not disappoint as well. So, Bob, I kind of want to hear you talk about that a little bit more because you're you're very big on getting to know the the quality of the man and the quality of the player, quality of the hard worker that they are when evaluating rookies and then even just when evaluating young guys too because he certainly did not disappoint in that regard as well. You always talk about his work ethic. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing from the outside looking in that we can't see. Listen, we could watch the combine and overanalyze it. I can watch every game of somebody's tape. But the thing on the outside that we don't get to know is who this person is as a human being where – you have guys like Jamarcus Russell who have all the traits. My man didn't work an ounce. He didn't watch film. He didn't do anything. And then on the opposite end, you got guys like Peyton Manning, where it was an addiction. All they did was sleep, eat, and breathe football and just study, 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 put in the work every minute of every day. And just or Justin, it seems like Daniel Jones is a lot closer to, to that Peyton Manning mindset than he is with Jamarcus Russell. I mean, we just dealt with it for 16 years with Eli Manning. That silent, like, assassin. That silent, I'm never going to have to argue for myself. I'm never going to go online and get in arguments. We made, me and Danny made a bet that will he ever tweet out anything that's not an advertisement. And he has it, by the way. <laughs> um, he's just, like, kind of that guy who just does not care about what the outside world says. Obviously, he, you know, you hear stuff, and I, you know he hears stuff. But, I mean, this guy was just bashed and bashed and bashed. After the draft, in, in before the draft as well. I mean, everyone, even now, people still take their shots like Mache. I mean, we opened up the, the start of the podcast with that. And it just seems to not phase him. And most human beings are not built that way. I'm talking, and even, I'm not even saying like all football players. There's great football players who are just not built that way. I mean, there's only a few guys who can just throw interceptions and it just doesn't bother them. I, you know, I think we had one in Eli like that, but guys like Brett Favre, Mahomes. You, they're just far and few between, and I think that's who Daniel Jones is. And it's it's trying to look into the mind of uh, Daniel Jones is just so kind of intriguing to me because, I don't know, he just seems different than everybody else. In a league where everyone wants to take the risk on the arm, everybody wants to take a risk on, oh, this guy's got the legs, this guy has the athleticism, the Giants did – you know, I guess either you want to argue that this is the conventional thing or maybe even today it's the non-conventional thing to take the guy who has the best character. And 
we're going to, you know, I think now that we fully address kind of like the off the off the field attitude and the off the field work ethic, because I think that's just as important to Daniel Jones's future, especially heading into year number two and the expectations that are set on him for year number two, talking about what how he works and how he operates. I feel like that's just as important as almost talking about what he needs to do on the field. So it's almost the most important because obviously you got to have the arm strength, the accuracy, um, you know, the ability to move around. But when you're at the NFL level, pretty much everyone's got that. Obviously, there's guys who are above um, others. You know, I'm not sitting here saying like Case Keenum and Daniel Jones. The only thing that separates them is their mindset. No, but like so you have to have that kind of stuff. That stuff is important. But once you get past that, which most starting QBs in the NFL do, or at least, you know, a good half of them, it's all about what the guy's working with between the years. And it seems like Jones has that, man. And it showed uh, throughout his throughout this season, man. He started off hot in that Tampa Bay game where he just, just, just completely, like, set over, uh, over-exceeded our expectations. Uh, 23 – or exceeded, not over-exceeded. That's not a word. He exceeded our expectations. 23 for 36 in that game, 336 yards, two touchdowns, two running touchdowns, which end, one ended up being the walk-off game winner, go-ahead touchdown. Um, he finished the season, though, uh, completing 61.9% uh, of his passes, so 62%. 3,027 yards, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions – or 12, yes, 12 interceptions, 45 carries, 279 yards, two touchdowns, 18 fumbles, not good, 11 those that were lost. Justin, at a 16-game rate, that would have been a little over 4,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, which would have broken the record by a good amount, 16 interceptions, and 51 sacks. He was sacked a ton. Those are really good numbers. So I don't want to get too lost in like, oh, look at just his numbers, but like the numbers match what we were watching. Yeah, at least, you know, you kind of gave the box score numbers, which for quarterbacks, they could be deceiving. Not all yards are created equally. Uh, not all touchdowns are created equally. I mean, trust us, we know th- if you were watching Eli Manning these last few years, you certainly know that. The amount of garbage points, garbage yards that he would have, you know, but we're not, we don't want to really get into that. But something before, before I really get too, like, knee deep in the numbers, two things I want to bring up. One, you talked about that Tampa Bay game. And Looking back on it, just how important that Tampa Bay game is, without that Tampa Bay game, Bobby, I almost don't think that we have the same faith and the same optimism for Daniel Jones. I think the optimism would certainly be there, but just in the manner of how we won that game and it being his first start, that injected hope into this franchise that this franchise desperately desperately needed after years of having the conversation of is Eli the right quarterback is Eli not the right quarterback should Eli Manning even start the 2019 season should he even you know or should he be on the bench so after having years and years and years of those discussions for that one week (laughs) he shut the conversation down Daniel Jones shut the national conversation down on what the hell is going on at the Giants quarterback position and that one game you know, I think if you think back to Jones' season, that is the game that you think back to, and that was just a shot of hope that this city and this franchise absolutely needed stemming away from Eli Manning. And I just wanted to say that before before I get into all my stats. And I said I had another point. Oh, here was my other point in terms, we're going to talk about some stats, and 
I'm going to kind of glance over the bad stats, and here's why. You're going to have people that criticize Daniel Jones, cough, cough, PFF, cough, cough, uh, a lot of the analytics people that are knee-deep in analytics that say that Jones will probably never be a good starting quarterback in the National Football League. Those are also going to be the same guys that will tell you, don't fully evaluate a quarterback based off of their rookie year, which Bobby... I find that to be mind-boggling. People that I respect, people that I look up to, people that are very, very smart and who I learned don't really fully evaluate a quarterback after their rookie year. You start evaluating a quarterback once they get into their second year, once they start to get their feet wet, and then once they fully start to kind of get established in this league. No, you evaluate them their rookie year if they fumble a lot and if you had a low grade. And you made and you made haha giants jokes. That's when you evaluate after one year. It's though. unbelievable, unbelievable how, like I said, uh, who who I think are smart people. I think these people are smart people. Some of the, some other people would disagree. They say these things and then they'll turn around and then they'll be like, Daniel Jones is never going to be a good starting quarterback in the NFL. He's never going to succeed in the NFL. So that's what absolutely it bothers the living crap out of me and. I frankly, in late December, um, I went on a bit of a, a, a tirade on, on gathering analytics, gathering metrics, and being like, okay, you know, Jones is weak in these areas, but here's other metrics that actually back up as to why those numbers might look a particular way and how and how and why we should have faith for his to, you know, for his the rest of his NFL career in blue. Basically the fumbles are bad. <laughs> and if you look if and that's what goes into a lot of that stuff. And it's a it's a case of confirmation bias when it comes to him. And I, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not guilty of confirmation bias as well. But if you love the kid, it's like look, look at this. And if you could, if you couldn't stand him, you go, well, look at all look at all the turnovers. When in reality, I don't think anybody looks at the fumbles, Justin, and says, see, he's not going to be a franchise QB. Now we all say, listen, if he if those fumbles continue, then then you have a real issue. But I don't think anyone thinks that he's going to be an 18-fumble-a-year guy or even a 10-fumble-a-year guy. I just don't think people think that. Um, so that's why I don't really talk about the fumbles much. They're, they're, you need to talk about them. But I don't. I just don't look at the fumbles in evaluating Daniel Jones. Like you said, after one year, I just it doesn't really come into the mindset to me. 12 interceptions is worse than 18 fumbles to me. Yeah, and... Something that's significant to point out about this Giants season as a whole, the Giants, compared to the rest of the league, lost the most EPA points on fumbles out of the entire league. Now, something that's important to metric about it, to mention about EPA is that EPA is actually a metric that actually considers the context of a game. So think about this, Bobby. Turning the ball over when you're up by 10 points is not as significant compared to when you're down by 10 points and driving down the field. And a lot of the games that we were involved in this year, games were relatively close into the latter ends of the fourth quarter. So when Jones is turning the ball over, the value of each turnover was significant because in most cases, they were detrimental. But as we all know, we talked about the offensive line a few weeks ago. You know, Nate Solder being a left tackle was a detrimental aspect of this team, part of this team. And we all know that Jones needs to work on his pocket awareness. And we even talked about a few weeks ago with the offensive line that Daniel Jones holds onto the ball at an hot at an above average rate compared to the rest of the league. So analytics people, what they'll tell you is 
If you look at Jones's EPA per play, it was very, very poor. If you if you look at his CPOE, which is completion percentage over expected, which looks at like depth of target and his completion percentage based on the depth of target of his throws, it was very, very poor. If you look at his pro football reference website, if you look at his pro football reference page, at his adjusted passing numbers, where they are able to compare a QB's numbers to the rest of the league, he is below average in every rating besides TD percentage plus. But here's my point. Here's here is my if you were to ask me, Justin, what is your biggest takeaway from Daniel Jones's rookie season? This is the biggest takeaway. Ball placement, guts, and accuracy when you absolutely need it. Bobby, those are three things that you cannot teach. And if you look at a at a QB that's down the road, that if you go down I-95 South down in Washington, those are three things that that quarterback does not have. He does not have impeccable. Cardell Jones? Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. Cardell Jones, he actually does have those things. So thanks for bringing him up. But if you look at that other quarterback who plays a, who plays a FedEx field and not like that side, I don't know, where did the, the cat, what are they called? The DC Senators? I don't even know what the heck they're called. Um, Defenders. But, they only play defense. Oh, oh ooh, good. Good, uh, good joke. But. See, I was on I was on my pedestal and you knocked me off my pedestal, Bobby, of preaching. But impeccable ball placement, you cannot teach that aspect of accuracy and throwing the ball under pressure. Yeah. The accuracy obviously is the physical tool that you look at and you're like, okay, that's that's the best. Just I kinda you sounded you kinda wanted to go positive and, and then move to negative. I, I kinda want to start with the negative. Let's do that. He had the 18 fumbles, 11 lost, 12 interceptions. So that equals 23 turnovers. He had 38 sacks in 12 games, uh, which is 3.16 per game, which uh, even would have, in a 16-game rate, would have been 51 sacks. That's not good. Eli, in his four games, had five, which is 1.25. So basically two more sacks per game. And I think, now this is what I do like about Daniel Jones, is that he's willing to move the ball downfield and he wants to get stuff done. But obviously he holds on to the ball too long. And he needs to work in the pocket better, which is another issue. But Justin, I think that's, and I've said this a thousand times, and I feel like, you know, I'm just repeating this take. But I would much rather have a QB like that who is willing to go downfield and be like, listen, we got to rein you in here and there. Than having a guy like Marcus Mariota, where it's like he just always takes a safe throw, or a Derek Carr, you're going to have this great completion percentage and a pretty good TD interception ratio. But my, the guy's not going to take chances, and you're just begging him to throw the ball downfield. And not to totally derail your point, but that's kind of where I was going before you derailed me, the bad guy that you are. You would much rather have a quarterback like Daniel Jones who's willing to make those plays and put himself out there to make those plays for his football team that are going to impact your football team in the largest and most significant way compared to other guys who aren't willing to make those plays. I would almost rather have a guy who is, you know, who we need to fix the little things because right now there there's nothing really big picture, big scale that if you look at Daniel Jones's game and you look at his 2019 season, there's nothing like huge that I really feel like you need to fix. Sure, there's some mental aspects of the game where he maybe he missed some guys down the field. What quarterback doesn't miss guys down the field? Bobby, we've profiled that a few times when we would watch film throughout the week. Um, 
but pocket, you know, the pocket awareness aspect and, you know, the, the stat is 2.84 seconds. That would be his average time to throw, you know, Eli would be around 2.65, 2.66. So you want something possibly in the middle, in the middle of those two, because Eli would be a guy that would get the ball out of his hands too quick. And then we're now we're saying this year that Jones is a guy that's holding onto the ball for too long. So we want something in the middle of that. Why do I feel like the critiques of Jones like we're not talking about accuracy. We're not talking about solely poor decision making. You know, I think PFF would tell you differently because they have their turnover worthy plays. But I'll tell you what, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't an extraordinary amount of times where I'm watching a football game this year from the Giants and I'm like, Daniel Jones needs to cut down on these turnover worthy plays. Yeah. And when he would did go downfield, he did it with accuracy. Um, yeah, it's just kind of being a little quicker in the pocket, and that's what separates good QBs from great QBs or bad QBs from good QBs is knowing when to check down. That's why Rogers deep shots are so effective because he knows when to get the ball short, get it out quick, get it out quick. And with Brady and with, I mean, with all of the greats, like people think like you, they just, they just throw the ball deep. And we, you know, we had this battle with Eli where everyone's like, just throw deep. Like it's, it's not as easy as just throwing deep. You know, you're going to throw interceptions like crazy if you just throw deep. So it's being able to pick like, okay, this is where I need to check down. And, and he showed improvement in that. I remember the Arizona game, and he gave, there was eight sacks in the Arizona game, Justin. And everyone was blaming the O-line, but it was mostly on Daniel Jones. It really was. There were some that were on the O-line and Saquon Barkley as well. But those sacks were mostly on Daniel Jones. And there was guys open underneath that he missed because he was looking too far downfield. There was even like on screen passes where it's like, get rid of the ball, Jones. And he didn't do it. The next week against Detroit, man, he did just that. And then that set himself up with these man, like these single single man coverage throws to Darius Slayton. Those two touchdowns on the sideline were set up because he was taking what was given underneath. And then he had two one yard touchdown passes in that game. So he really kind of got better at that. Although he did have a, a fumble return for a touchdown in that game, although it was kind of like a like a hit as thrown more so than a fumble. But nonetheless, like the things he had issues with, he got better with as the season went along. And another one of those things, Justin, was pocket manipulation because obviously he has, like, good legs and can get outside the pocket. But there's too many times where he was just kind of just standing still in the pocket. And granted, Nate Solder made this this flaw look a lot worse because he got just blown up and would get beat off the edge all the time. But if he steps up on, you know, three of those, you know, Nate Solder strip sacks or whatnot, I mean, that could be a difference between a win and a loss. I mean, there's well, I think there's one against uh, – uh, Detroit was there one here. Let me, yeah, I think there was one against Detroit. Uh, Tampa, there was one. So there's, you know, they ended up winning that game. But basically, what I'm saying is he needs to work better in the pocket. He he showed that better against Green Bay and even Washington when he slid to the left and found Saquon on that deep touchdown. Um, the touchdown to Golden Tate against Philly in Week 17. So he did show improvement in that, but he obviously like that needs to be something that he works on this offseason. And obviously, we believe he's going to do that. Yeah, and what's really encouraging about those aspects that he improved in season is that, you know, I guess I guess I gave away my whole take there is that he actually did it in season. You know, he went oh, you know, he had a bye week. The first game that we that came off that bye week, that was that Chicago game, right? Or was it the Green Bay game? Yeah. It was Chicago game. Okay. Chicago. So the first game that followed from that bye week was Chicago. And even from that Chicago game, it's specifically really the first time that I remember him making conscious efforts to put two hands on the ball was that Green Bay game. 
So yep. it was very impressive, you know, like like you said, Bobby, to see that in the middle of the season. Now, you know, the whole the whole premise and the whole theory is imagine when you give this kid a whole offseason to improve things. You know, we asked him to improve little things throughout the season. He did it. Good for him. Now let's see the, you know, hopefully what can be uh it kind of has to be a spectacular year two jump because if this Giants team is going to have really any kind of success in 2020, the roster still is not going to be fully complete. You know, we're going to be however many years, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't even, I don't even know if you can argue that the Giants are X amount of years into a, into a rebuild, but it'll be how many years of Gettleman and we're still out of, no, we, we can, feel like let's, the let's debate it. Let's, let's debate. Want to, want, want to do a debate about the rebuild? Sure. I have some other no, points I'm on Jones. I, d- but, I don't oh, want to oh. do that. I do not oh, okay. want to do a debate. That's the last. That's literally the last thing I want to do. I think. I think actually we would agree. Like when did when did the rebuild actually start? We do agree, but I just don't want to talk about it because we're talking about Danny. That Dimes. is true. You mentioned the Green Bay. You mentioned the Green Bay yes. game. The, pen, the two hands on the ball. There's a, a throw that sticks out, and it's a Darius Slayton on about like a twelve to fifteen yard out. I can't remember exactly on third down. And he steps up in the pocket, two hands on the ball. Defensive end comes around and swipes at the ball, but he keeps two hands on the ball and delivers that out route. And I mean, so so much that the announcer even um, like pointed it out, like, "Look at him put two hands on the ball." And and that Green Bay now, granted, he had three interceptions that game, um, but and the one you you look at the box score and say one fumble, but the fumble was on Demari Scott because he didn't want to take a freaking handoff. Cool. So, but basically, he like. He kind of showed some improvements in that game. I mean, I thought, uh, you know, you had that touchdown to Sheldon Shepard in the end zone. Obviously, it was a touchdown. That drive, I think, was the best drive of this whole season. Um, yes. Obviously, the, the the game winner against Tampa was awesome. But I thought that drive was the best drive of the entire season. Because it maybe it wasn't the best. But basically, what I'm saying is that it showed a little bit of everything. Like, there was a fourth down where he just had to go completely through his progressions. They they dropped eight and rushed three. And he just went through his progressions. Find Slayton, and it was. I, I did a breakdown. It was one of my most the f- most fun breakdowns I did was doing that. Um, he had the beautiful throw to Shep on the sideline to you know hold putting two hands on the ball. That drive showed a little bit of everything. Um, and like you said, I think an uh, overwhelming theme of talking about his mistakes is that these things improved as the season went along. You know what's crazy about Jones' season? Just something that, like you know, obviously you remember the th- the wins specifically because there was only three of them for Daniel Jones. But two out of the three wins happened on game-winning drives. Two of the three were against the Redskins, too, which is not as fun of a stat. No, but nevertheless, uh, fun to see that he could handle the moment. Bobby, I have three final stats that I want to share uh, about Daniel Jones's season and some context behind them. Can I go? And can I have one more final rant? Are they negative? No, these are positive. I want to stick to negative though. I I already no I already did my negative because I glanced over the fact that his EPA and CPOE was absolutely terrible. <laughs> okay, well, well, yeah, I'll let you do this. But first, I'll do the first. This he had played twelve games, first six games, sixty two point two percent. Last six, sixty one point three went down. This guy has clearly regressed. Am I right, Matt Lombardo? Shut up, dummy. Uh, one thousand four hundred forty nine yards, first six. 1561 the last six, so over 100 yards improved. 10 touchdowns to 14. Seven interceptions to five interceptions. So the completion percentage was uh, less than 1% difference. 
And then everything else got better as the season went along. So that is that's the end of the negative. Ball security. Hey, Daniel Jones, hold on to the ball. Hey, Daniel Jones, hold on to the ball. Stop it. You don't you fumble no more. I remember my first basketball game and I had a couple of rebounds hit out of my hands, and the coaches like took one of those like hand squeezers and it's like, go do this. Get your hands strong, Bobby. And now I can undo a bolt with just one turn of a wrench, and then I can do the rest of my hand. So that's a great deal. story. Thank you for sharing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how how much it takes for me to get a bolt off, depending on you know how hard it was tightened. But nonetheless, I've never had to use anything to open a jar. So thanks, Coach Bird. Thanks, Coach Bird. Larry Bird, no relation? Nope. Very good free throw shooter, though, White. You know, he did play college basketball. Um, one of his fingers was like halfway cut off, but he, my man could, could still hit free throws like crazy. Wasn't a very good coach, though. Bird with an I or bird with a Y? With an I. He's not with an I? Reginald Bird. Reginald. Reginald. Wow, what a name. I would love to have that name. Uh, hey, Bobby, was one of Daniel Jones's strength coming out of college uh, his ability to run play action? I don't know. This question kind of puts me on the spot. There was no time where I was like, he's bad at play action. I don't know, I guess. I guess he just fake handed the ball off and then threw the ball. So that's, yeah, I guess that's typically how that works. Well, Daniel Jones in 2019, he had a play action completion percentage, according to player profile at approximately 69% nice, which ranked number nine in the league. Now, something that Pat Shermer never did enough, which made me absolutely go bonkers is he did not side with the trends, overall trends of the National Football League, and run play action more. You have teams like the Seattle Seahawks. I believe the Los Angeles Rams are even up there. They're running play action like 40% of the time, which even regardless of how the running game is going, it could still work. Now, I do not want to get into that debate with you right now, but it could still work. So I would love if Jason Garrett can maximize that Based off of Daniel Jones' 2019 season, which also play action gets you away from the pocket, and possibly if you have a bad left tackle, um, let's get let's talk some ESPN QBR. When you compare Daniel Jones' ESPN QBR to other QBs from the previous four drafts, Jones' QBR is fifth highest, ranking higher than Dwayne Haskins, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen. Mitchell Trubisky, Jared Goff, and Carson Wentz from their rookie years, respectively. He only trailed the likes of Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, who is still more of a runner than a thrower anyway, Pat Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. ESPN caption. This guy's with elite company. I don't know. I, Me and Zach used to really like send each other the dumb ESPN stats of the week. My favorite one was Jimmy Garoppolo's debut. It's like Jimmy Garoppolo is the fifth QB to win his debut on the road versus Arizona. And it was like Johnny Unitas and like Roger Starbuck. And like, he is an elite company. No, I actually have to tell you, I'm totally serious. So I wrote a blog, uh, December 26th that did pretty well. Uh, side note, if you didn't know this about me, this was before I joined talking giants. I wrote it on the bleeding blue website and I basically called, uh, you call him Toucan Sam, but PFF Sam, I called him lazy and he quote tweeted the article, which I wrote about him, and I called him lazy. And he said, this is a great read. But neither here nor there. In that article. He, that's because he didn't read it. He's lazy. No, he definitely read the first part of it where I complimented PFF. And then towards the end of it, I absolutely kind of ripped them to shreds. But neither here nor there. 
But th- that would mean he's lazy. Then. Well, correct. He actually proved my overall point and your overall point too. But you said Daniel Jones and Elite Company. The graph and the the screenshot that I took of the of what I just read you that ranked all of the you know rookies from the last four QB classes by their ESPN QBR. It says up top, Daniel Jones and Elite Company. I'm not even kidding you. <laughs> Bro, it's. I know my ESPN stuff, Justin. I've been. I'm I've sending been, you the picture. I've been after looking this. at their stuff for many times. <laughs> well, why don't you just do it right now? Do it right now. No, because I don't want to. I I'm. I have a point, and again, you're you're absolutely derailing my 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 whole point. My whole point, just in case you don't know, and you're listening to this, ESPN QBR is a little bit different from quarterback rating out of 158.3. This QBR is reliant on EPA, which is why this overall confuses me, Bobby, because they have Daniel Jones ranked relatively well. Actually, as an average quarterback in the National Football League, Daniel Jones actually ranked higher in ESPN QBR than both Baker Mayfield and Aaron Rodgers this year. But it confuses me because Jones was so bad in EPA per play, but also ESPN QBR does take into account the strength of opponent, your strength of defense, and some other things that EPA does not take into account. But that's something that is very, very positive for Jones. And also, something that I took away from this giant season, and this is my literally my final point on Jones, and then I'll let you take it from here. Something that I you know, kind of took away from the Giants 2019 season is that our wide receivers were not able to consistently get separation, and the numbers actually confirmed this as well. According to Player Profiler, Giants skill position players averaged 1.34 yards on receiver target separation, which ranked 24th in the league. So we all know that part of why Jones held onto the ball for so long is because no one could get open down the field. But when you're at, when you're missing out on reliable targets like Sterling Shepard when he's hurt and Evan Ingram, it honestly does derail an offense. So hopefully Garrett comes in and could do two things. Number one, well, let's let's have three things. Number one, we got to get off to faster starts. Number two, we can run play action more often. And number three, we can hopefully get Daniel Jones some wide receiver and skill position separation, please. I am done. All right. I like it. I like it. Let's talk about third down and deep passes, my man. Third down, 78 of 124, 63%. That's an upgrade from his uh, regular stats, 884 yards, 7.1 yards per tent. That's up from his uh, regular stats as well. 10 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, 13 sacks. Five drops goes to 67%. It's so much nicer saying five drops instead of 44, which actually it was never 44, but there was a lot. Running the ball, uh, 13 carries for 89 yards and four fumbles. He was pretty damn good on third down. Complete uh, conversion when he had the ball, when it wasn't just a handoff to Saquon or something, 42%. Uh, uh, average was third and 7.5. His average uh, successful third down was third and 5.8 and average unsuccessful was third and 8.7. Justin in college at Duke, he was 53% on third down and 5.9 yards per attempt with eight touchdowns and two interceptions. So why does it go up by 10% and his yards per attempt by 1.2 in the NFL? When everyone told us, Justin, that QB stats don't get better in the NFL. If he doesn't have good stats in college, how's he going to have good stats in the NFL? Remember when that was repeated to us a bazillion times last year, Justin? Well, it's because he had NFL wide receivers who don't drop every four passes. And that is why his completion percentage went up 10%. And we're going to get into the same thing with the deep ball stuff. 
at Duke, I mean, 53%. That's like not good at all when you look at it. But I think it jumped up to like 70 or something uh, when the drops were taken into place. So I'm going to have to look it up right now because I'm going to be really mad if I don't know the exact number. Jones. Yeah, you were one of drops. the uh, you were one of the few people that actually considered the context, and you considered like, hey, Daniel Jones actually had terrible, terrible skill position guys, and I was one of the people, uh, and I was one of the stupid idiots out there who said I'm bleeding blue. Now I didn't, I didn't rip Daniel Jones apart for this, but taking to into account third down stats is kind of important. It's and third down effectiveness and third down efficiency is kind of an important thing. And if there was a red flag that I, I at least had heading into 2019 about Daniel Jones and his ability to be a, an NFL quarterback, it was his lack of production on third down. But luckily you, Bobby, when you're a person who has cut their teeth, which sounds painful, by the way, cut their teeth on watching Daniel Jones like it's your job, you provided that context and you continue to provide that context or, or even looking at his stats and production during the offseason. Justin, I knew it. Third down goes from 53% to 70%. I freaking knew it. I freaking knew it. So yeah, Ooh. that's I mean on third down, and we saw Justin, we saw on third and thirteens where he would run for it against the Redskins. I mean, remember the third and ten against the Jets where he just got absolutely smacked, but he didn't go down. Which in reality is like, don't do that, Daniel Jones. But in the moment, it's like my quarterback will do anything for the first down. He put the team on his back though. There were some big time throws. Darius Slayton was a big uh, target for him on third down. I thought he would look really good and. You know, the last couple of years with Eli Manning on third and 13s, you knew it was going to be a check down for five, six yards. Hopefully someone could break a tackle. I think that was one of the biggest differences from Eli to Jones was third and nine plus because you knew Jones was going to try and get that first down. He wasn't going to settle with a check down. Let's do some deep ball stuff. All right, let's do some deep ball stuff. On his deep passes, he was 16 of 49, 33%. Before you freak out, that's not bad. I'm sure it's actually around average 500 yards, 10 touchdowns, three interse- interceptions. He threw the ball, and I'm this is 20 plus air yards from the line of scrimmage uh, deep, 11 percent of the time. That was the same number in college. Uh, at college, he was 12 for 44, 27 percent, 483 yards, seven touchdowns, two interceptions, 11 percent of the throws. Now accounting for drops. It went from 27% to 59% in college. <laughs> uh, so obviously a big difference. But nonetheless, another stat that improves at the NFL level, and that's basically just because of drops. But I will say his deep ball numbers, I don't I don't look at those and be like, wow. Like his college ones I did when you include the drops. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But we saw the accuracy was consistently there. We saw the arm strength was always there. Um, the only time where an arm strength question came into mind where, like, there's a clip is the Minnesota. Dallas Monday Night Football oh, at the end of okay. the half. Minnesota, which one are you referring to? Thinking of that play against Minnesota where, no, because it, it was slightly in front of Shepard. So you want to know what? Bad guy move. It was in front of Shepard. It was not behind Shepard in any kind of way. Of that, okay, like, that okay, that big okay. play where, so, where Shepard dove for it and he, and he missed it. Okay, I, I remember what you're talking yeah. about. So, yeah. Arm strength really never came into play. I think we can put that to rest. We've seen him at the NFL level. He has the arm strength to make all the throws. He's not Jamarcus Russell. He's not Ryan Mallett. He's not Josh Allen, but my man's got an arm. You also don't need an arm. And you've had this point before, but you don't need the big-time arm in today's NFL. You know, gone are the days where you had Eli Manning, Kevin Gilbert offense of, you know, you're going to you're gonna do a 10-step drop, stand back there for four or five seconds, and heave the ball 40 yards down the field. Those days are kind of gone. 
you haven't seen Bruce Arians' offense then. So that that is still around with him. But yeah, I get what you're saying. And arm strength actually does uh, improve. Peyton's improved. Brady's improved. There's a good article out there. I'll, I'll have to share it again um, talking about that. But nonetheless, his arm strength was completely Bobby, fine. the dude is 22 years old. <laughs> 22 years yeah. old. You, you got the time to develop to really develop that. So uh, I'm with you. Yeah, and it wasn't an issue anyways. I just kind of – with the, but so but with the deep ball, he was very accurate. Um, now, there was actually a deep ball study that came out. I, I think his net has at, is at Brickwall Blitz. Am I correct, Justin? Was it one of those weird guys that doesn't have a picture on their face on their Twitter? No offense um, to anyone who doesn't have one. But one of those guys who does this stuff and doesn't have a picture. Anyways, he did it. Um, his numbers were slightly off, but he qualified as 21-plus air yards, which – I, I think that might have been the difference. We had five, he had uh, five less throws in there than I did, and I remember for I remember for sure there was a Golden Tate one where it was literally he caught it at twenty yards and got hit. Who you're who you're talking right about is Johnny Kinsley, um, at Brickwall Blitz. Okay, so I got it right. So basically, and then he did the accuracy numbers where Jones. I think he was in the upper half of that. Um, that is important. But honestly, with deep ball, going deep is decision making. That is the biggest thing for me. Um, I don't really remember. There, there's a few obviously in there that where it's like, come on, what are you doing there, Jones? Uh, but for the most part, I thought it was good. There's a lot of you know throwing it to, on the sideline to Slayton, giving him a chance. So that can have to do with the completion percentage. Although most guys have those kind of throws, he does it. But what's nice is he does move the ball deep at a pretty good rate, eleven percent, and he's accurate with it. And he seems to have pretty good decision making. Obviously, it can get better. Um, I mean, there was a you know there was like some times where like okay that should have been intercepted, it didn't happen. Um, and obviously the the interceptions that were there, the uh, the three there's one against Dallas, and a couple more. Obviously, basically I, I was pleased with it. I wasn't like over the moon, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, uh, Johnny Kinsley, the guy that did that deep ball project, uh, he ranked. Now this is both from. You know, inside the pocket, outside the pocket, or throwing the ball in between the numbers and towards the sidelines. He considers everything here. Uh, he ranked Jones 23rd in the league with an accuracy percentage of 43%. So, there you go. Get a picture of brick wall blitz. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, we went through each part of his game. And I think it's all encouraging. The You know, the third down stuff is pretty dang exciting. He's able to get the ball in the end zone. I know people like to say touchdowns don't matter for stats, but I, I do. I mean, you see, you see the best QBs in the NFL are usually at the top of the touchdown board. So I uh, I look forward to having Daniel Jones there for the duration of his career. And we talked about the negatives. I don't know, Justin. I mean, is there anything else you want to do? I do want us to each pick our, our his best throw. But, I mean, is there anything else, like, you want to cover with him? Because I think we've kind of went through everything at a – Exhaustive rate. The sounds of sirens indicate how there's a state of an emergency on how we need to get Daniel Jones a left tackle. Woo-woo. That's the Bobby. I, I I know I was on an I was on an Okuda stint for you know maybe one or two weeks and talking about the secondary, and then now these last two weeks I've been on a holy crap does 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 Daniel Jones really need a left tackle? Get this man a left tackle. Get this, you know, try, if, if we can put, you know, now here, here's, here's a sports radio hot take. You ready? I usually have one or two of these every episode. If you put Daniel Jones in a good position to win, he is going to find a way to win football games. 
And I, you know, sir, yes, sir. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's you know, I guess it is. It's not really a hot take, but at the same time, you can put quarterbacks, certain quarterbacks like Trubisky. Uh, you know, you can put certain quarterbacks, maybe even like Goff, and maybe even Wentz. At times, we'll even throw him in the boat of this. And I'm just really just picking picking names out of a hat here, but. You put certain quarterbacks in a position to win, and you see that they haven't been able to produce at a consistent level. If we could not blink in a football game and we're down 14 to nothing because our defense can't get their crap together to start a game, or the offense goes three and out, or, you know, if we can get off to those faster starts and we can, you know, fully get Saquon more involved, it really is only going to make Daniel Jones that much better. And that's, that's my final thoughts. All right, let's finish it off with best throw. What? Go ahead, Justin. What was Daniel Jones' best throw? Sheesh, to you? Best throw. Um, I mean, the one that automatically just sticks out to me because if you think about the situation, it's fourth down. It really got us back in this football game at the time, and he was getting really hit down low while it was happening. I think back to that Chicago game with Golden Tate deep in the back of the end zone. You needed the arm strength to get there, especially because he was getting hit towards his lower half. He wasn't even able to generate that power that comes from his lower half. He wasn't really able really able to fully step into that throw. I mean, sure, his momentum was carrying him forward, but that's pure arm strength that he needed to get to that ball there. And it was accurate to Golden Tate when he was, I believe, double covered. So that throw against Chicago sticks out. And then honorable mention for me is... I'm going to say two throws because these are my two throws of the season. No, that- dude, I you're picking a best throw. I get to pick a best throw. You can't use my best throw in your honorable mention. All right, well, well, no, I know for a fact that you that these two throws are not going to be your best throw, but I'm going to let you go first. Oh, my God. I'll let you go first. If you, No, I want you to do the two, and if you use my best throw, I'm going to lose my mind. Okay. Tampa Bay, Sterling Shepard, his second. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You use my you- throw. My best throw is Sterling Shepard. On the corner route in the end yeah. zone, perfect placement, perfect throw. That is my best throw. I think it, it, it it's smart. I'm telling you, it's perfectly accurate. It's perfectly timed. That is my best throw. I thought that was no. Oh, I guarantee you it's not going to be uh, your best throw. I should have I started out with the one because that throw mirrors exactly the first touchdown of like legitimately of his NFL career in the preseason. That throw mirrors the throw that he had to Benny Fowler against the Jets. It's the same. Oh no, throw. but no, Justin, no, Justin, the one against the Jets, it would have been intercepted in the regular no, season. Remember? That's according. Who is that according to Randy Moss? Um, no, that was according to anyone who didn't like. Oh, him. okay. All right. I'm sorry. I really want to apologize that I took that I took your best throw. I didn't think you were going to choose that one. Which one did you think I was going to choose? I don't know. There, you know, he had he had some good ones in Washington. He had that good. He had that good throw to. Uh, uh, Shepard in the left corner of the end zone in Washington. Shoot. Yeah, I, I guess I guess that was I get I guess that is a popular one, huh? Yeah, I really stole your there's thunder. Something wrong with you. There's really something wrong with you. I will I will accept your apology though because I'm a forgiving human being. You are, Justin. I think that's a show. We appreciate you guys joining us for our QB review. And if you're listening to us talk about one player for close to an hour, you're a psycho. God bless we you. Love you for it. We <laughs> we really do appreciate you. We'll be back Wednesday. We're going to be reviewing the Judge and Gettleman press conferences. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of overreaction to that. That'll be so much fun. I just cannot wait for it. Please say computer guys, David Gettleman. Please say computer guys. So we'll be back on Wednesday. We appreciate you. We love you. Until then, let's go Big Blue.